Hey ladies and gents and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast episode 19 where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. As always I'm joined by Jordan. How's it going? Hola mi amigos! And Dominic. What's up? So another week more video games that we've played. Getting right into it. I completed Inside which you know a lot of people were talking about this being a 10 out of 10 masterpiece and you know game of the year contender which is crazy for an indie game. Um, we already have The Witness kind of in that, that situation. Um, Inside's fantastic. I, I don't want to get into it too much because um, both uh, Jordan and Dom are looking into getting it and playing through it. It's not a very long game. Um, but yeah, I would say right now it holds the number one place for Game of the Year for me, personally. Uh, I said that last week that if I, I more than likely will be my Game of the Year, overpassing Doom. And after I finished the game, went through, got the secret ending, and just like gestated on it a little bit more... It definitely is my game of the year, and we'll obviously get into that when both of them have played the game. Plenty to talk about there. Um, I also played Costume Quest 2, which is a sequel to Double Fine's Costume Quest. I didn't know what to get out of this game. It was a Games with Gold a while back. Um, and it was I was just in one of those moods, you guys have probably been in it, where like you didn't want to play something super meaty, so you're like, oh, let me see what I have that I haven't played yet. So I was like, oh, I have Costume Quest. So I clicked on it, started playing it. Really cool. It's a turn-based RPG you're these three little kids that wear costumes for Halloween and you evolve. So, like, they're wearing, like, a pterodactyl costume. But then once you go into battle, they turn to an actual pterodactyl, which is pretty cool. And there's a whole subplot of, like, this guy wanting to get rid of Halloween. Nothing you've never seen before. But the mechanics are really cool. The game's fun. It's, like, small little hub worlds that you explore and fight. And uh, there's a little bit of puzzle solving. Um, it's just a really cool game. I finished it. It was about maybe... My playthrough was seven and a half hours, but I was very collectibly, so I was going around, going through every nook and cranny. If you're just playing through it normally, you could probably get through in maybe five hours. Um, and then I also played Shadow Complex, which is a 2D side scroller um, that a lot of people loved. Um, I ha it's available on backwards compatibility. I've had it for a while, never got around to playing it. I'm about an hour and a half in. It's cool. It's very um, Metroidvania. Um, it's a very fun game. It's weird playing a Metroidvania game where you can actually shoot a gun. Because um, I'm used to obviously having a sword or something like that. I guess Metroid has a gun, but you know what I mean. Like an actual like pistol or, or assault rifle or something. Game's cool though. Uh, I've also been playing Overwatch, which isn't, isn't a surprise or smite. But yeah, I've been on a huge like 2D kick. Um, and then Costume Quest was a huge surprise for me out of nowhere. So what about you guys? So, uh, you were talking about bite-sized experiences, and I've been doing that a lot recently, just because, um, you know, playing these games like Witcher and Persona and all that, these long, long, long-ass RPGs, you get to feeling like, not that you aren't getting anywhere, but it's nice to finish a game sometimes, and, yeah. and complete that experience and move on to something else, and it's also nice... Like I said, to move on to something else and be like, oh, I get to pick a new game now and, and refresh myself. So um, I mentioned last week that I had played through God of War Chains of Olympus, going back through that series to get ready for God of War, um, which was like a six-hour experience, so that was great. And then this week, I kind of went ham, dude. I played a lot of stuff, um, so I won't go too deep into all of them. Um, but one of the big ones, I played through Season 1 of Telltale's Game of Thrones, Awesome. Um, I still need the last two episodes, so I'm interested to see. Dude, so uh, real quick, I want to give some impressions on this game. Um, I'll probably be reviewing it for the site um, here in the next week or so, but uh, 
Yeah, so we talked about how awesome the mid-year sale was on PSN. I got like $110 worth of Telltale games in their bundle for like 22 bucks. So um, I was super happy with that, and this was one of them. And uh, yeah, it's six episodes, and um, first I want to get the negatives out of the way. Um, it looks pretty fucking bad. Um, it looks like... Like, some of the character animations are so terrible, they actually look like they're from the PS2 generation. So, um, so I feel like all their games have that problem, but the difference here is, like, they're supposed to be recognizable characters. You know, they're actual yes. actresses and actors. Yes. So, like, you have that dissonance of, like, that looks nothing like Peter Dinklage. Or, yeah, his animations right. look goofy. I kind of got that vibe from it, too. But for, like, The Walking Dead, it's not really an issue. Yeah. Right, exactly. Walking Dead, you know, I'll get to that in a second, but they're... They're um, basing that off of the art style of the comic book, so it makes a lot more sense in right. that, that yeah. Sin, yeah. Uh, situation. But with this one, yeah, like you're saying, it doesn't—they don't look right. The animations are so stilted, and it's just like, like looks pretty damn bad. And then I went back um, once I completed that one and started playing season one of Walking Dead, which is a remaster on the PS4 from the PS3. And that game looks way better. It's way more clean. It's like the animations are still pretty stilted and, and janky. Just because that's how Telltale is, I guess. But um, it wasn't nearly as bad. Like there's this weird effect. It almost looks like a heat wave effect in Game of Thrones. Where like all the edges of things in the environment are like crinkly and kind of glitchy in a weird way. Like the air um, above a grill. Exactly, and it doesn't look right, and it doesn't. That wasn't in Walking Dead. I've never seen that in a Telltale game before, and it just look. It looks terrible. It almost looks like like a watercolor painting style, but they didn't actually mean to do that, and so it just looks bad. Um, so with the negatives out of the way, the gameplay is whatever. You know, it's Telltale. You're, you know, doing quick times. I will say the quick time events in this game are much better than in Walking Dead. And also the pacing of this game, like the actual gameplay pacing, is way better than Walking Dead, which is one of the reasons that I couldn't really finish Walking Dead earlier on when I tried to play it on PS3, because that game, like, until the end of Episode 2, it's really just boring as shit in my opinion. And, and Game of Thrones is, is immediately interesting. Season um, 2 is much better for The Walking Dead. I'll get into that, never mind. I am, I am excited for that, but... So, the negatives out of the way with Game of Thrones. This fucking story, dude. This might be the best story I've ever played in a video game. I mean, it's fucking incredible. <laughs> it's cool. It's, it's fucking cool. incredible. We were talking about <laughs> getting a fix in between seasons of Game of Thrones and how they might even be delaying this next one. Um, and I'll probably be reading the books later on, but this is really scratching that itch. It takes place in the north, um, and you're... you're dealing with house forester you're you're playing all the members of their family and they're dealing with roose bolton who's just taken over and become warden of the north and holy shit dude just the way that they make these characters that you've never seen in the show or books so interesting and get you so fucking invested in them like the cast of walking dead season one is pretty much boring as shit besides clementine and lee for me but every single character, minor, minor or major, in Game of Thrones is really, really, really well done. So there's that. The only big issue I have with the story is the fact that um, I worked my ass off playing this game, like trying to do everything I could to get a good outcome. 
And we know that in Game of Thrones, the, the good guys usually don't win. But I was, like, getting my face kicked in the dirt and shit and kissing guys' rings and kneeling in front of in front of assholes just so that I could be like, all right, I'm doing this shitty stuff now and, like, getting my face kicked in now. But these motherfuckers are going to get theirs when I come around at the end of, like, the season, episode six or whatever. But basically, no matter what you do, you're just fucked. Like, at the end of season one, they've already announced season two, uh, all of my characters are either dead or completely fucked. Well, I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't played it yet, but the way the first episode of that of that series opens is like, oh, this is Game of Thrones, you know? Yep, yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, oh yeah, I'm playing a Game of Thrones game, you know? So yeah. I was like, yeah, so, I don't want to spoil it. You got me excited. I'm going to have to buy this now, George. Yeah, Dude, I'm telling you, it's amazing. Yeah. Well, one question. Is this cross-buy on Vita? Uh, I don't even think they made it for Vita. I so think only like the Walking, Walking Dead, Dead Walking Dead season two, I think is the last Telltale on Vita. Maybe Wolf Among Us, I don't know. You can maybe but, uh, remote play it. Yeah, you can totally yeah. remote play it. Perfect game um, for remote play. It is, and especially the visuals will look better on Vita, which would be nice. But apparently, I went online after I finished the game and was looking at all these forum posts and looking at like what's the best ending, what are the best choices, and apparently, like you can't fucking win this game. Like you're fucked. Either way, anything you do, you're just totally screwed. So I don't like that because, you know, I want there to be a way, not where I'm just like, all the good guys win and all the bad guys die, but something where I don't feel like I, I just totally got screwed. So That's what like that's what these games have to do, and it, it makes you feel like your choices matter more than they really do, but they have to keep at least some of the cast consistent because otherwise they're going to have to make 10 different stories from if you use your old save point or whatever. So yeah, there's kind of that feeling of like, okay, well, when you when you're done and you look up the other possible endings and they're not that different, like, oh, okay. Yeah, it kind of sucks. But I was looking at one website that was saying, you know, Telltale is an independent studio. These aren't really AAA games like maybe Until Dawn or Heavy Rain in the same genre. Like they can't have all these veritable outcomes because they would have to write like four games. So exactly. I also don't think they had the same hand in the Game of Thrones series that Skybound has in The Walking Dead and that. Um, you know, WB or DC is going to have in the Batman series. I don't think there was as much of people from Game of Thrones being like, we'll help you guys make this a true Game of Thrones experience, which is fantastic for as good as it came out. That's surprising, you know, as far yes. as like the story. So, yeah. I agree. So, yeah, obviously that was a really long one. I won't go so long on these others. But, yeah, I played uh, episodes one through three, Walking Dead. I'm getting more into it. Like I said, it was tough for me to get through it the first time I tried. But I'm I'm realizing, like, Obviously, Tell, Telltale had games before Walking Dead, but this was kind of their breakthrough, so maybe give them a little bit of leeway, because obviously they've gotten better since then with Game of Thrones and the other stuff. Then um, I beat Bastion on Vita. Awesome. Um, so I'm going to review that as well. And then I played a crap ton of Gravity Rush on Vita, which that may be my favorite Vita game. Um, it's it's an awesome action-adventure RPG with really great superhero combat mechanics. The flying is fun as shit. A lot of people talk about how um, it's hard to get the uh, the mechanics down with it because it's kind of like weird to be like... It's Gravity Rush, so you're jumping up in the air and then you're like... You don't have full and complete control over your character like you would in, say, Infamous or Sunset Overdrive, but you do have a lot of control once you get the hang of it, and I really started loving it. So probably like a little over halfway through with that. It's a pretty meaty... For being an open-world RPG on the Vita, 
it's pretty fucking meaty, and I gotta say, Studio Japan really outdid themselves there. I can't wait for Gravity Rush 2 on PS4. And then finally, a big one here is uh, Downwell. I got this, it's a $5 cross-buy game on PS4 and Vita. I got this after watching a kind of funny Let's Play with Colin Moriarty, where he just kind of went through it and talked about why he liked it. And basically, it's just an old-school-looking 8-bit game where you jump down well, obviously, and you shoot bullets out of your uh, feet, and so you're trying to kill things below you, and they're floating around and trying to hit you and kill you. And um, really just, like, classic old-school action, arcade feel. Um, it's got... It's really beautiful, even though it's 8-bit, and it's just one of those those smaller indie titles that has such great arcade action that you're just constantly trying to go for that high score because you want it so bad. So, yes, a very long list for me this week, but uh, played a shit ton of games, and I had a blast with video games this week. The one thing I didn't hear is Persona 3. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that at the end of the show. Okay, um, so... We're going to be hopping into the news. Uh, quite a bit of news. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah, I, I, I feel whoa. bad because I just Sorry. talked for like 15 sorry, minutes. I forgot you haven't even said what you played. Dom, it took forever. <laughs> My bad. I'm sorry. Go so, ahead. So I have a shorter list this week. Um, I finished up Walking Dead Season 2, and it was absolutely phenomenal. I loved it a lot. Did you carry your save over from Season 1? No. For some reason, I played both on Steam, but since I switched computers, I guess, somehow my save got lost. So, yeah, I started fresh. PC Master Ace. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> Ouch. I was sure that it would go across, but I don't know that what sucks. I did. Anyway. Are you on the same Steam account? Yeah. Hmm. Weird, right? Yeah. Yeah. That sucks. Um, but yeah, it was much better than season one. A lot of the issues you you mentioned, Jordan, I think feel like I feel like those are solved in season two. For they feel the like part. growing pains. Yeah, and Telltale. it does some it does some really cool things, and your choices towards the end really matter mm. um, in different ways. And there actually is a point where you. Depending on how you finish season two will affect, presumably, how season three starts, unless they kind of like kill everyone that you had yeah. left and or start, you know, try to start fresh by default, unless they do something like that. But there should it should be you got you you get to make a really big choice at the end, and and I was it was like I couldn't I was like ah, what do I do? it was it was like the most tense moment of decision making in my like <laughs> uh, those those are the parts I crave in these telltale yeah games. it was awesome and then I actually I very much regretted what I did too but it, it, I still like stuck with it. I wasn't you know I'm not gonna go load up an old save or do it I was like you know what that's what I did in the moment and that's what I would have done if it were me and just I don't know I just it's like more the way realistic yeah like you can't yeah. rewind you can't go back to an old save file in real life exactly um so other than that, I played maybe about an hour of Dragon's Dogma. Um, okay. I think I'm really going to like it. It's not the prettiest looking game anymore because it's a little bit old, even on PC. But it's the, just the climbing mechanic where you, you know, you're fighting these huge, awesome, giant monsters. And you're just climbing all over them, like grabbing their tail and climbing up their back. And all the while, you know, smashing them with your sword. It, it's just a lot of fun. It feels kind of like a fast-paced um, Dark Souls, um, maybe Ooh. a little bit more action-y. I like. Um, yeah, it's really cool so far. Um, so I I've think I'm really going to get into it. Yeah. Uh, is, that and, it? is that everything? Yeah, that's all. Okay, uh, we're going to be hopping into the news now. That was a meaty what we've been playing segment. Uh, it's good to know that everyone's been playing quite a bit. Um, so the first story here probably affects Dom the most out of all three of us. 
Um, it's you know uh, it's over at uh, Gama Sutra. It's by Alex Waro, and he he writes VR experiences are best when they're brief, says Sony boss. And this is a quote from Sony's Andrew House or Andy House as he's being called now. Um, I've been very vocal that I tend to believe this generation of VR lends itself more to short-form content than perhaps it does to long-form experiences. I don't see that as a deficit or a negative. Um, so yeah, this is this is basically saying you know that it seems like Sony is going more for the quote-unquote experiences like the Batman VR as opposed to um, the Resident Evil Seven kind of thing where you know post-development you make it compatible with VR and stuff like that. So. Um, for me, uh, and I'll get we'll get your guys' opinions. For me, who somebody who already isn't super interested in VR, period, this kind of confirms it for me. I don't really feel like buying what is it three ninety nine right for VR PSVR. Yes. Um, Without the you need a PlayStation. Camera. Well, yeah, this well, is this is yeah, like but... saying like I'm just referencing it if I did have a PlayStation, but like for me, play, paying four hundred dollars for something where I'm only going to have like our experiences, it kind of seems like it's it's the same reason I didn't buy the Wii, you know. Um, it's just like the the gimmick of the motion controls. This is obviously VR. I don't really feel that making four hundred dollars uh, of a purchase for short experiences is value to me. Mm. So, yeah, and this is weird that this is the route they're taking. But at least he's honest about it. So, what do you guys think about this? So, I think it's mostly because um, there's going to be like safety concerns. Like if you guys remember when the Wii came out and yep. everyone was having a fuss about you know people are throwing their remotes. Yeah. So then it's like make sure you put the wrist strap on every time you boot the system up. So even that little thing was like a huge deal, or huge in some context. But so just imagine how big a deal it is for one. You're completely sensory deprived, so you might run into other people or do whatever. Yep. Yep. You know, swing your arm and smack somebody or whatever. Or you know, you'll. I'm sure there's going to be like, there's going to be issues that arise where like people have like seizures or you know like maybe they have to like be really strong on their like safety precautions when they put this thing out there because. Yep. And, you know, then there's the whole thing of, well, if you sit in this, this helmet for, you know, 10 hours at a time, like, you're going to completely lose track of reality and you're not yeah. even going to hardly be a human eventually, right? It's going to fuck with your head. So there's, there's all those sorts of issues that I think play into it. But then I think there's also a technical aspect where smaller experiences are easier to, you know, easier to develop um, given the hardware limitations of the PS4 and VR, right? I think that's a big part of it too because, I mean, if you try to put Fallout in PSVR, like it's just not going to work. But if you try to put a single town from Fallout in uh, PSVR, then you know it's a little more reasonable or, or a linear experience. It's easier to develop around the hardware, I would imagine. So I think that's that's why. And it, yeah, I'd prefer like longer stuff too. But I I get it, and I think this is this was the right choice. But ultimately, unfortunately, yeah, it's going to turn a lot of people off. I think it's also profit margin. I think maybe they don't know how well PSVR is going to do. And, you know, short, short experiences cost cheaper to make, which means that your return on investment would be higher. So if they don't expect it to sell very well or their their uh, basically um, forecasts aren't high, if they have shorter experiences, their return on profit's a lot higher than if they put a lot of money into these big experiences that don't sell really well. You know, this is an unproven market. So. Less that risk, is a, yeah. That's a very, very good point, Jared, because I was just about to say this, is, this was a stupid-ass thing for Andy House to say because – there's no reason for him to say this. Like, they're going to have long experiences. They're going to have short experiences, and whatever you choose to play is what you'll be into. And we already assumed but, that all the all the first stuff coming to it are going to be shorter stuff, since the big yeah. stuff's probably in development. He didn't have to say it. Yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, I agree with what you just said about how that it, that makes their profit margins a lot higher. That's very smart. Um, 
for me personally, the biggest reason that I am not even really thinking about getting into VR Gen, Gen 1 is because um, really what you just mentioned, Dom, um, the logistic aspects of it. Like, uh, did I ever, I don't know if I ever mentioned it on the show, but um, speaking about VR, do you guys ever hear the story about this guy, this like Navy guy with the Google Glass? No. Not so. He um he was on a navy ship and you know he's like out at sea or whatever and he was sitting on the ship like using Google Glass like 10 12 14 hours a day and eventually they like had to take it away from him and he was so fucked up in the head like he kept you know you like touch your temple for the the button process on the Google Glass yeah and you like you do certain things with your eyes, you do certain voice commands and stuff, and he couldn't stop doing that. Like, he had to keep touching his head, and he couldn't, like, he couldn't get out of that. And that's not even full virtual reality, it's just glasses, you know, with, like, little pop-ups in them. Like, there's so many logistics to me that I'm like, you guys haven't even thought far enough ahead for me to buy this huge-ass piece of hardware. The first thing I need for anybody to talk about, any of these manufacturers to talk about, for me to even start thinking is one proximity sensors which i think uh htc vive might actually have yeah but other than that like where the hell are the proximity sensors what you're just talking about don where you're like running into people and shit also i want to know when someone walks in the room i want to know when someone comes close to me so that my brothers aren't like you know punching me in the nuts or whatever or somebody doesn't break into your house and rob you while you're playing like you know yeah i forget that i put food on 20 minutes ago and it's like on fire and shit like there's so, so many logistical things that they're not even talking about. And I'm like, dude, before I even start to think about this, you've got to get these things knocked out. And um, there, I mean, I could go on with a list, but proximity sensors is a big one. I want to be able like, PSVR doesn't have a camera on the front of it. So I want to be able to look around at my surroundings without taking the headset off. Because it, you know, it's a process to get the headset on and off. I want to be able to see... Like, if my brother comes up and wants to talk to me, then I can just hit a button and I can see through that camera yeah, and I don't have to take the headset that's a That's a great idea. You should pitch that to them. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude, there's a list. I could go on and on of things where I'm like, how have you guys not implemented this yet? This is like an essential part of VR for me. Let's consider, um, consider you know, the, the resistance they're going to get when we start seeing, like, you know, FPS games on PSVR when, you know, Call of Duty inevitably has... A VR experience, and then you know you're even more immersed, and you're more influenced by it, and more desensitized. Yeah. So you're gonna get you know that same old video game causes violence thing, and I think it's at this point I would kind of would feel, yeah, I kind of think that's putting you too in the moment. You know, it's making it too real. Too real. You yeah. Your be, mind can't. Yeah. It, it fucks with your head. Your mind can't process that information, at, and you know, ten hours into a gaming session, go. Oh no, this is still just this is still just a virtual experience. Like you have that barrier when you're looking at a screen to where you can look around you and go, "Oh, my controller's in my hand, my cup of water sitting over here. Right. I'm on a couch." Like you have this barrier that keeps you from getting like way too immersed. And I'm I'm still like excited for I'm like a, you know, I'm a technology kind of person and I I wouldn't say a pioneer, but you know, I like to try new things and push the limit, right? Yeah, yeah. Whereas, you know, the mass market <laughs> it's probably not gonna you know because all those concerns like i could deal with them right like I, yeah. i'm mature and prepared enough to do that but a lot i feel like the mass market won't feel the same way right i have a prediction right here 
I think this might sound a little bit harsh, but stick with me. I think by this time next year, if someone hasn't gone to the hospital for VR, like something oh, with VR, someone will I, die. I, I think by this time next year, someone will have died by v- yeah, because of oh, VR. I'm with you. And Absolutely. I'm telling you, dude, there's so many health and safety concerns. Like the fact that PSVR is recommended for no one under the, the age of like 12 or 13, I think. Well, and the interesting thing too, you were talking about the Google Glass thing. We get phantom vibrations for our cell phone, so it's like not out of the oh, yeah. possibility. Yeah, you know, I get so, that all the time. Yep. Um, so let's get into a couple of quickie stories. We're gonna go through them real quick, and then we'll finish. Quickies. First off, Shovel Knight debuted in Japan last week at number one, both on the Wii U and the 3DS eShop, which is insane. So congratulations, the Yacht Club Games. It's a fantastic game. It's one of my favorite games of all time. Um, and to see Japan basically take this game in and. By the hell out of it, dude. Number one on both Wii U and 3DS. That's that's insane to me. That's awesome. Shout out um, to Yacht Club. I, I want Shovel Knight too. So this is awesome that Japan took this game in because, uh, yeah, it, it seems like a game that would that the Japanese audience would love. It's it's on mobile, so people are probably, you know, that's the Japanese market is mobile, so they're probably yeah. eating it up. Uh, number two, Red Dead Redemption um, is going to be on backwards compatibility. The Friday, uh, so if you're listening to this on Sunday, two days before us, uh, the 8th, of, of July, um, Red Dead Redemption is available on backwards compatibility, and over on GameSpot they actually talked about how its sales jumped six thousand percent after the announcement. Um, Jesus Christ! Yeah, that's fucking crazy. Yeah, it jumped six thousand percent. Well, you gotta you gotta imagine it was selling like a copy a week before this. Yeah, I don't know, dude. It still pops up on the like PS3. It still pops up on the top ten almost. So not almost every month, but like frequently, I would say. Listen to this on Amazon's movers and shakers list, which tracks sale rankings and note, uh, notes increases. Uh, Red Dead Redemption was previously at number one thousand ninety three, and it currently sits at seventeenth, and that's a, a markup of six thousand three hundred and twenty nine percent. That's just Amazon. Yeah, the game of the year edition, which includes the Undead Nightmare expansion, has increased by eight, uh, one thousand eight hundred seventy-seven percent, and it is currently the thirty-sixth most popular game. Rockstar couldn't stop making money if they fucking wanted to. <laughs> yeah, so awesome. If Rockstar guys... started donating like hundreds of millions of dollars every year, they would still be making hundreds of millions of dollars every year. Yeah. In profit. Um, I, it's awesome. Uh, if you haven't played that game yet, I think neither of you have played it, right? Nope. I haven't. I've got it downloaded on my uh, PS3, though. Undead Nightmare is a fantastic piece of DLC. I think they actually sold it uh, standalone at one point. Awesome. Um, so, last piece here. Uh, no Man's Sky uh, has gone gold. This is a game that I said is going to be the biggest disappointment of 2016, which I hope I'm wrong about. Um, I think that was Mighty Number no. 9, man. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but... Basically, uh, developer uh, development of No Man's Sky is officially wrapped. Hello Games founder Sean Murray announced he posted a picture of him with his beard, and it looks even more unkept, probably because he's been cramming <laughs> to try to get this game gold. Um, but yeah, after four years uh, and a small team, they're gold, so that game's actually coming out. No more delay. So it's awesome for everyone who's excited for that game. Hopefully I'm wrong with my prediction. Um, hopefully it's everything everybody wants. Um, and the last news story here, uh, before we get into our topics... Uh, there was a over on Games Radar's YouTube. They actually and their and their website, they basically talked about this uh, information they got this this information from a Call of Duty Roman Wars. Apparently, this is the story of the Lost Cod, and it's a video basically talking about how there was a company that was purchased by Activision, 
Vicarious and, Visions. Yes. Shout out to them, dude. I loved their games. And basically, there was an arms race that Call of Duty or Activision put out for a Call of Duty game where a lot of their studios that hadn't really worked on a Call of Duty game, they told all of them that, uh, including uh, this company that they recently purchased, uh, give us a prototype of your idea for a Call of Duty game, and whatever one is the best, we'll go forward with that. So basically, it's a video showcasing a uh, a Call of Duty happening in a Roman Empire, um, and you basically take control of different people within the faction. And uh, it's a really interesting, weird take. There's horse riding. There's, like, gladiatorial battle. Uh, there's giant elephants that take the place of tanks. It was a really interesting idea. Um, some people have called into question whether or not this video is real or if it was accurate or if it's even a Call of Duty game just because there's some weird assets in it, like a Ubisoft flag. There's counter-arguments to that of it, you know, being a prototype asset. Uh, assets are hard to come by if you're trying to whip something up real quick, so they probably had assets from certain things, but... Um, either way, whether this is true or not, it's a cool story. Um, did you see the video? Did either of you guys see the video? I did. I did not. It's really weird, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's very prototype. It's not even close to being a game. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's an interesting story, if anything. That's some of the greatest stuff about like video games. Like, you know, the whole thing with Konami and Kojima, the story there is one of the most interesting things about that whole thing, you know, when that yeah. comes out. So, yeah, but we'll never know like the details. Uh, we will, dude. I think It'll we will happen. eventually. Um, this is it's just cool to see these things that never happened. Like, imagine when Agent story comes out of what the hell happened with that game. Jesus you know? fuck. Um, this Call of Duty, I I appreciate this because the biggest complaint people have for Call of Duty games is that they're always the same thing over and over again. And this team was like, you know what? If this is true, this is talking about if this was true, let's do a Roman Call of Duty. <laughs> You know? Yeah, but this just shows that Activision was like, yeah, we're not going that far. Yeah. yeah. Someone um, pitched this, and they were like, hell no. <laughs> yeah, it was a cool idea, though. Um, I think it was very... it was. I think it was a dumb decision. It was bold, but it was dumb, because I, I'm pretty sure they knew, like, this. Pro- they probably won't take this, but let's at least try, you know? Um, I thought it was a cool idea. The, the video actually has over 300,000 views, has over uh, 1,500 likes and less than a, uh, 120 dislikes, so it's doing way better than the Infinite Warfare trailer, um, <laughs> which is which is funny. Um, some of the I wanted to I wanted to uh, read uh, one of the comments because I thought it was funny. One of the top comments says, "We wanted older wars, Christ, not that old," which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> um, and then this other guy puts, "Wow, spa- maybe space isn't so bad." Uh, yeah, I just thought it was an interesting story to talk about. It's it's cool when you find out that these things existed and we never knew about them, you know. Um, games that are canceled or never came to light or just prototype ideas. Like, I would watch a two-hour documentary about all the games that were basically pitched but never happened. I would love that. I would yeah, like shout, out, shout out to Unseen64, which is a website basically just dedicated to uh, canceled video games. Yeah, that would be, oh, be so awesome. Check that out, man. Yeah, I will, definitely. So, getting into my topic, uh, I wanted to talk about this whole CSGO Lotto uh, controversy. Um, if you aren't familiar with the situation, uh, basically there's this website that exists for CSGO where you're allowed to gamble your skins that you get. If you're not familiar with CSGO, it's basically an FPS game where the whole spiel is like the microtransactions allow you to buy keys for cases to get skins that are worth uh, money depending on how rare they are. A lot of people like to uh, sell them, but also like people like to gamble them. So, you put all your chips in one, one bucket against somebody else it's essentially a coin toss and whoever wins gets the whole pot right um so that's basically what the csgo lotto site does uh the big controversy here is that 
uh, two really big YouTubers by the name of Pro Syndicate and T Martin. If you don't know them, you probably do. Um, they're two of the biggest gaming YouTubers. They're <laughs> you don't know them, you probably do. Yeah, they're that big. They're that big. Um, they're known for Call of Duty, FPSs. Pro Syndicate's known for being huge on Minecraft. Um, so basically, uh, what had come out is that uh, they've done plenty of videos talking about this website. Um, never once did they mention they were sponsored or owned uh, or owned the website, which is completely fine, except for the fact they did own the website. Um, paperwork leaked of them uh, of their, their their filings for the trademark and the property and everything like that. And uh, T Martin was actually the owner, and Pro Syndicate is the vice president. The issue with this is under FTC guidelines, you must state that you. Um, have some affiliation with the company if you do, especially if you're um, if you're linking the website or asking people to go and try it out. Uh, there's a whole separate issue of underage gambling. Um, on their website, it actually stated that you had to be over the age of 13, but legally you have to be over the age of 18 to gamble. Um, obviously, there's some there's some weird hearsay there of whether or not it was gambling, if it was legal or not. That part. The bigger issue is the FTC guidelines they broke because this is a huge thing when it comes to YouTube and its integrity and online entertainment. Period. Uh, you must state when you're sponsored or if you have an affiliation with the company. Um, and what they did was illegal. The worst part is after this, all these accusations came out, T. Martin came out and said that it was never an issue. Everyone always knew that he owned the website. But yet, people went back to one of his first videos talking about CSGO Lotto, and he essentially sits there and says, Hey guys, I came across this new website, and it looked interesting. I won $69 on it, which isn't a whole lot, but I actually talked to the guys who own the website, and they were thinking about sponsoring me to earn to win skins and stuff. So basically, he was saying that this, you know, the way he pitched it was weird. So um, with that, the date that he became an owner would be really important, right? Well, no, he from the beginning. Yeah, that was the issue. Yeah. Is that like, well, but did he do this video before he owned it? Yeah, um, they started the okay. company. They started the company, so he owned it from day one. That was the issue. People are like, well, maybe he didn't own it at that point, right? Right. Um, so he yeah, has a huge problem. Um, Pro Syndicate, I don't think. It's weird because he's not really an owner, but he did do bad. But this T. Martin guy – so Pro Syndicate went on Twitter and he apologized and he said this isn't what they meant to do. T. Martin took a different approach and he actually made a video basically saying I didn't do anything wrong, nothing, whatever. And then he removed that video. So they're taking two separate um, paths towards that. And I really think the, the, the path Pro Syndicate is taking is going to be more beneficial to him in the future because he's basically saying, yeah, we did do – we messed up, right? Mm. And this T. Martin guy saying, you know, we didn't mess up. And they went afterwards, after all this stuff broke, and they went to each of their descriptions for their videos, or at least T. Martin did, and posted, sponsored by or I own the website. But you can go back, and there's ways you can find out when certain descriptions of YouTube videos were edited, and you can see what the old description said. So there's a huge FTC investigation happening right now. Um, there might be legal actions taking place. Um yeah, and I thought this was a huge story. Uh, Jordan talked to me about maybe making this a topic. It's a huge story in the gaming community because, especially in YouTube, in the realm of of sponsorships and stuff like that, you know, people need to be honest with their audience. And a lot of these guys are watched by young kids. You know, we're not their demographic. Their demographic are like kids between the ages of like eighteen and fifteen, and they're very impressionable. I remember when I was that age, I was the same way, and um, I think that what they did was inherently wrong. I yeah. I think that they maybe they weren't maybe necessarily evil in their actions, but they knew what they were doing. They get an 8% cut, by the way, of every transaction that takes place on the website. And the whole thing of owning the back end is if you own a gambling site, there's there's laws in place that you can actually participate because that means that you can have the odds stacked in your favor. So that's another issue here is that they actually actively participate on the website and they own it. Jesus, dude. They're about to get fucked. So... 
they you if you own, if you own a gambling site, you can't take place in it. That's why whenever you sign up for like DraftKings or anything like that, they say like, are you or anybody in your family employed, right? That You're not seems to. odd because say yeah you you know you somehow cheated because you got you know you're an insider but you're you're cheating and stealing from your own company so what well you're not stealing from your own company because you only get you only get eight percent of the profit from each transaction but if you beat uh, beat somebody and take all their skins you're getting a hundred percent of the profit yeah also yeah, it's not, they were rigging the system and it's not sure. and it also the big issue is not whether or not they rigged the system it's the fact that they could have and that's the biggest issue it's not whether or not they took advantage of it it's the fact that they had the capability to that's a big issue here too you know um and this is a huge issue going forward um i think that this is a huge problem for valve i think that they should have been ahead of themselves in shutting this stuff down um, I think they should have been a lot more forthright in trying to get this stuff shut down. They run their own marketplace for CS:GO skins, but this gambling stuff, they could take they could take legal action towards this, you know. And it doesn't seem like they cared enough because they make enough money from Steam and stuff. Like, I think as a company, and uh, CS:GO was created by Valve. I think that they should have they should have been forthright about trying to get this stuff shut down. Whether or not this would have happened, I think the gambling whole aspect of it is really weird and really sketchy. Um, but I've, I've talked for too long. So what are your guys' impressions about this whole thing? So so I agree with you. It is inherently wrong, and it's shady, and it's misleading, right? I mean, yeah. that would be like, you know, someone paying you to give a promotion or a positive review on a game, and you don't, and you don't mention that, right? You, come, you, you mislead people to think you're an unbiased, objective opinion, right? That actually happened so, with Machinima a couple years back. Yeah, and see, I, I, I agree that it's inherently wrong. It's morally where you shouldn't do it, and I would not... I would stop following the person. You know, I'd stop subscribing to their content, for example. But I don't think that that justifies it being legally wrong. I think the line—that's where the line should be drawn. That's just where I stand on it. Um, because what if, like, you know, I don't know. Like, just, it just seems weird. Because yeah, if someone if they take legal action against them and like they get fined for millions of dollars, then like these kids are going to be like bankrupt or who knows what. I don't. I just don't see it as a legal issue. I think it's just a a moral issue really well the thing is is that it's i understand where you're coming from of like if it's morally good or morally bad but there are laws in place and if you break the law you you know you have yeah, legal right. action so it's like but yeah. as hillary clinton taught us you can be ignorant of the law and get away with it because of that yeah but neither of these guys are presidential <laughs> yeah, candidates <man. laughs> so um jordan what's maybe your take a, on this whole thing maybe a weak comparison <laughs> a good comparison i like it <laughs> um I think, yeah, this is pretty fucked up. It's pretty shitty if you ask me. I think um, there seems to be stuff like this going on in a lot of PC uh, games. And, um, you know, there's like Star Citizen and there's uh, EVE Online. I remember like there's tons of people that'll like um, screw people because you can spend real money like a shit ton of real money on ships and stuff in EVE Online. And I've heard of people getting, you know, scammed over there and stuff. And so this seems to be part of PC gaming. And I think, you know, obviously YouTube is a big part of gaming. So when you connect those two, I just think with the following that these two guys have, as massive as it is on YouTube, um, I wouldn't be surprised if this was the scam all along. They're like, hey... We're going to start this website. We're going to start promoting it and act like we don't know anything about it. Act like somebody else told us about it. And then we're going to make a shit ton of money. And I think that may be the case here. I think 
This is totally a legal issue. I think these guys deserve legal action taken against them. Um, and I think that they should probably be, you know, banned from Counter-Strike. They're going to be made examples of if that's one thing where... I mean, know. I think they should because this is like, you know, part of the dark side of online gaming. And this is the stuff I don't like to see. Um, they might lose monetization on YouTube, period, which is huge for those guys. Each of those guys make at least six figures on YouTube. On top of, they make 8% from this website, and they're already, like, on match 95,000. So if, just do see, the simple math on that. And I'm talking about, like, you know, you were just talking about sponsorships on YouTube, and that's a huge, huge thing right now. YouTube has become, YouTube has changed from this, you know, home video uploading uh, website to now where it is a huge, huge source of income for like tons and tons of people. And so this is the type of stuff that needs to, you know, quit. This stuff needs to go away on YouTube because um, this is the type of stuff that is ruining YouTube in a way. And especially YouTube gaming. Um, so yeah, I'm really not cool with this. Like I think they really fucked up and... Uh, yeah, like, this is some shit, man. I, I, I'm not cool with it at all. I have to disagree with you that the sponsorship stuff is inherent, like, is wrong for YouTube. I understand it because... Oh, no, no, no. That's not what oh, I was sorry. saying. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm just... interested. You go ahead. It was a big... It's a big part of YouTube, and when it's used like this, or, like, for example, um, Rooster Teeth was talking shit about Jeff Gersman's uh, honest review of Fallout 4, which I read and I thought was totally fine, and they are like talking crap about him while they're all three wearing pit boys that they got from a sponsorship. Yeah. It's like, dude, you guys can't fucking do this. Like you're acting like assholes, you know? And I think that this is the same situation. So I don't think that, um, the change, uh, of YouTube from like, you know, like I said, like home videos to this big sponsorship money-making thing is a bad thing, but it's very bad when it gets taken advantage of like those two examples. Yeah, but I do appreciate Rooster Teeth and companies like Kind of Funny and stuff because they're always upfront about their sponsorships. And they've also turned down sponsorship plenty of times because it didn't maybe merge with the company or stuff like that. Like, I understand where you're coming from, the whole Jeff Gersman thing. But I'm like, cool. I'm cool with, with companies and YouTubers having sponsorships. But like I said, when you're talking shit about someone who just wrote an honest review of Fallout 4 the way that they thought about it, and then you're obviously being sponsored by Fallout 4 on that very podcast with these goofy-ass so, pit boys on your hand. I just think that's shady as fuck to me. So, clear, uh, quick question. So, to clear this up, I'm I'm assuming that Jeff Gersman's review of Fallout was negative, right? Yeah. Okay. I and wouldn't say negative. Were, like, uh, it was like a three out of four stars. Right. L less favorable than someone like me would have, you know. Less favorable. It wasn't a nine out of ten. It wasn't like an 8.5 right. out of ten. It was probably more like a, it, it a, wasn't a eight. A popular score how about you know they they thought that he was trying to be a contrarian and that he was trying right. to be the cool guy with the, the but that's also opinion. their opinion like they're allowed just like jeff christman's allowed to have his opinion on whether or not fallout's bad or not they're allowed to have their opinion on his opinion that's just how it is and i do i understand where you're coming from like if they weren't wearing fallout gear then that's perfectly fine but the fact that they brought that up at that time i do think it was terrible timing do i think it yeah. was in bad taste maybe but i do think the timing was was bad i do agree with you on that but yeah um the whole thing with like the sponsorships is i'm completely like i said 100 percent fine if, if they're upfront with it people need to live people need to get paid um 
the the issue the issue comes down to when people are shady about it, like you said, or people don't talk about it. And I think a lot of it has to do with a lot of these up and coming YouTubers or gamers on Twitch are young and they don't they don't either care enough or they don't understand enough to put your sponsorships outright. Also, I think a lot of these companies, especially on PC, because there's a lot of games in in a what is it called a green light early access that are like. We need sponsor. We need we need vision on our game. We need people to know our game exists. Take this money, but they never mention to the streamer, "Hey, when you're showing this game off, you need to say that you that you got paid to talk about this game because they don't know anything about that stuff. So therefore, the streamer is not at fault for not knowing. You know, but, I want to. I would like to reiterate that you know I'm not against sponsorships on YouTube. I'm not against advertising and monetization on YouTube. I think that. That was always going to be the evolution of YouTube since it started from like the home video thing. But I just think that there is a lot of shady practices. I'm not saying, you know, it's always rooster teeth. I'm not saying kind of funny. I'm just saying like there are people like these counter yeah, strike guys out there. Yeah, they take advantage of Take advantage of their audiences too in such a terrible way where they're like, hey guys, you know, I love you so much. You're the only reason I get to do this. The, I, I would be nothing without the fans. And then they're, you know, screwing them. So I just don't like that. Yeah, I think I think it's a very – it's this is going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back, and these guys are going to be made an example of. Like, I think it's going to happen. There's always the case where, you know, people have maybe been doing it for a while, but something big happens, and guess what? You're you're the one that gets gets the, the, the you know, the blunt end of the stick. So I, I really think that this, they're going to be made an example of. We'll see where it goes from here. I really think the way they're approaching it is going to uh, affect the way they um, come down on them. I think Pro Syndicate is probably going to have – it's probably going to have less of an effect on him than it is on T Martin for the way they're 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 handling it post um, it happening. I think that Pro Syndicate's approach of yeah, it happened. It sucks. I'm sorry. I, I screwed up. And T Martin's like, I was always up front. You know, I think that that's going to play a huge factor in it too. It, it could go the reverse too because Pro Syndicate essentially just um, you know took you know plead, pleaded guilty right there. Yeah, admitted that he, you know what I'm saying. Whereas this is such a technical and Kind of, there could be a lot of details involved where it could be a Loopholes. whole big lawyer match, and then he could, T Martin could still get off, you know, based on whatever. Whereas the other guy kind of just admitted guilt. But the thing is, for T Martin, worse. there's video evidence of him a saying that it was it was uh, it was open to the public that they also knew about it, and then going back to that original video saying that hey, I found this website. Ooh, this is weird, you know. My biggest question: What do you guys think? Are these guys serving jail time? Uh, no. Gonna they, get have fine, much, they have too though. much money. They have too much money. To Do you think they time. should? No. No. I don't think. I don't think it. That's where it comes down to a huge issue because. I mean, it's kind of a white collar crime, you know. It, yeah. it won't. It won't be like anything that even gets put on their records or anything. At most, and they could even settle, right? Like an out of. Yeah, and it just settlement. also depends on what the FTC wants to do and how they handle this. Like, what if YouTube gets involved? YouTube can pay for whatever lawyers they want to get these guys down because this ultimately looks bad on YouTube too, you know? Yeah. That yeah. YouTube's allowing this kind of stuff to happen. So it's right. going to be an interesting case moving forward. This is definitely going to have a resolution in about two and a half years considering the way our justice system is. Exactly. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll find out. It's a crazy thing. Uh, moving on to a lighter note though, um, speaking of – it kind of has to do with the, your topic of loyalty – Jordan, uh, what do you want to talk about? Yeah, so my topic is gamer loyalty, and um, I'm sure we'll get into a little bit of talking about you know voting with your wallet and stuff like that. It's not as much what I'm talking about here. It's more um, I kind of made some bullet points. It's more just about like um, 
how loyal you are to certain parts of the gaming industry and how much you feel connected to that in a way like you're going to support this for this amount of time or you're going to support these guys um, whenever their next game comes out. So my bullet points here are um, do you follow developers? Do you follow publishers? Um, do you have loyalty to first parties? Uh, loyalty to consoles themselves and then loyalty to fellow gamers so uh, we can go back to that I don't expect you to remember all those but first uh, follow devs so um, for example I mentioned this before the podcast but like Supergiant Games right um, they're an indie developer their first game was Bastion which I talked about earlier on the show just beat that um, then they came out with Transistor both of those games are fucking amazing, and I love almost everything about them, like how they play. They're critically acclaimed, all that. Um, so they have a new game called Pyre coming out um, next year, I think. And I'm buying it day one, no matter what. Like, I don't even have to know about reviews or whatever. These guys have um, these guys have my loyalty because it's a big thing for me with indie developers. Um, where I see somebody doing something and I'm like, I like what you're doing and I will support the shit out of you because um, these are the guys that need that support and these are the guys that are, you know, working their little fingers to the bone to just get whatever they can and make the best game they can. So I would say um, I have a lot of loyalty to developers, especially indie ones. So I guess let's start off with that. Uh, excuse me, loyalty to developers. Okay, so for me, um, I just want to be completely clear. I'm on my way to becoming a game developer, so I might have a different outlook on this. Um, but for me, so with with loyalty, it comes down to people who make a good product and people who are trying something different. Um, so for me, I have a couple of developer loyalties specifically. Um, one of them is Play Dead, which recently came out with Inside. I will nice. buy their third game no matter what. Uh, for, for, for clarity's sake... I got a review code of Inside. I was going to buy it anyways, but we were lucky enough to get a review code, which is awesome. Um, and Limbo is one of my favorite games of all time, now being passed by Inside. Their third game is a day one purchase for me. Um, they're an awesome company. They, they do such great experiences. Uh, second is Shovel Knight. Uh, well, Jakob Games uh, with Shovel Knight and Shovel Knight 2, hopefully. Um, a couple of factors. A, their gameplay is phenomenal. Um, what they're doing is great. I think they're taking the old and making it new again. And the fact that they have great post-release content. I think that's a huge yeah. thing that sticks to me. It's like, not only am I paying for what I'm getting at release, I know that I'll have greater experiences in this game even after uh, a year or two years down the road. Um, for me, even though I haven't finished Witcher 3, I do I do know that I will buy Cyberpunk 2077 Day 1 because yes. I know I'll get $60 worth. That's one thing mm -hmm. that CD Projekt Red more has earned. Huh? Okay, more than that. Yeah, that's one thing that CD Projekt Red has basically told the industry is, you know what, we could easily make our games eighty, a hundred dollars, but they're sixty, and you're gonna get what you want out of it. And the whole we've talked about this before, but the whole argument of it being too dense, I think that's a baby cry argument. I think that you can make yes. the game as dense as you want it to be. You know? Yeah, you don't. Have, no one's forcing you to discover all those question marks. Yeah, so that shouldn't be a negative at the game. That should be a negative on yourself. I have that problem a lot, uh, where I completionist things and it, it sucks. But it's just the way I am, and I'm not going to knock a game for it. Um, as far as other developers, I don't think there's necessarily anybody off the top of my head. I used to be really loyal to Infinity Ward. Um, and I kind of see that same loyalty in Respawn, considering the, a lot of those guys from Infinity Ward are now with Respawn. I love Titanfall. I bought that day one. 
I'm really excited for Titanfall 2. I'm going to be buying it over Battlefield 1. So I would, I guess I would say I have a, 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 a you know, loyalty to Respawn. I'm excited for their, specifically their Star Wars game. I think it's going to be awesome. Um, so yeah, I, not too many just because a lot of developers are hit and miss. I like Rockstar. I wouldn't say I'm loyal to them just because I don't know when their games are going to be coming out. Um, their games are always solid, but... And then I think my least loyal company is probably Valve because... <laughs> I don't know when I'm ever gonna. I don't like to get invested in their series because then they never finish them. So they have. They should. I don't think there's. They. Okay. They deserve gamers' loyalty like the least out of any company, in my opinion, because they've basically just become. They like kind of sold out. You know, once they just figured out they could just start making money off of Steam and microtransactions, they're like, yeah, we're not making games anymore. Even though you guys are the ones that got us here by buying all our games up until this point. Yeah. Uh, that's it for my developer loyalty. I want to get into the other ones after Dom has his spiel about his developers. So for me, there's not as many. Uh, Naughty Dog is the first and most obvious. Whatever, whatever they put out next, I'm you know I'm buying no matter what, even if it's Jack and Daxter, Jordan. God damn it. <laughs> um, other than that, I really like um, Bethesda Game Studios specifically. Well, that's a good um, one too. That's a solid. Yeah, one. just every one of their games has done it for me. And actually, first thing I wanted to say was. There's nothing, there's never anything wrong with loyalty, I don't think, unless it's blind. Like, yes, everything yeah. that all three of us has said, have said so far is based on track record. Yeah. And yeah. that's when they, they've, these companies have earned our loyalty, right, based on what they've done in our opinion, which is, which is, for example, why I bought the season pass for Fallout 4, because Bethesda has a track record of releasing, like, huge amounts of DLC, and that's, that's good quality DLC. Normally, I don't buy season passes, that was a very rare occurrence, so... Yeah, and then even um, Bethesda as a, a publisher too. I've I'm identifying with a lot of their other games right now too. Um, so I'm not, I mean Doom and Dishonored, and I I've, I just like everything they're putting out. It's just they speak to me for some reason. Um, Todd Howard specifically is just yeah. So going back to developers, know. he's probably the one single developer in the industry as a single person that I trust the most out of anybody. Hmm. I will walk he, off of a bridge for Todd Howard. Uh, yeah. I love Jesus that man so Christ. much. <laughs> he could sell me a ketchup popsicle. Like, yeah. <laughs> I love Todd Howard. never Howard's heard so of much. one of those. He's definitely the one person I look up to in the industry most, and I want to... Uh, he who He's who I aspire to be. Now, you could, you could run into problems when people are just blindly loyal and just supporting things that aren't good, and they know it, but they're just fanboys or whatever you want to call it. That's kind of like, maybe you should you know step back and be a little more objective. But What about From... Oh, I well, think they're for you personally. Uh, that's a tough one, especially because I mean, they've said they're done with you know the Dark Souls style of game, and historically they've done like weird mech games and a few other things that didn't even like remotely pique my interest. You know I think I mean? they'll they'll return to it. I think they'll they'll try their right. neat, their neat experiments and they're like. Dude, we need some cash. Let's go, let's right. go back to Dark but, Souls, yeah. But because what they're going to do next is probably going to be very different, I, I'm not going to say that I'll buy it. I still think you're going to get what? You're going to get plenty of Dark Souls vibes. I don't think you're not loyal by not buying every game Every game the studio produces. I think that's a different sure. thing there. Yeah. You can be supporting them with word of mouth, you know, telling people, you know, I talk on this show all the fucking time about CD Projekt Red. I'm sure you're... Right. Tired of hearing it at this point, but you can be loyal that, by saying consistently saying, "Hey, I want you guys to go back to Dark Souls. I'll support you guys for Dark Souls. I'm loyal to you guys because you guys make great Dark Souls games. You mm-hmm. know, that's being loyal too. So, 
And I voted with my wallet there, buying all the Dark Souls games and and Bloodborne. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, CD Projekt Red's a great example because I don't think there's anyone in the the any dev- developer in the industry that deserves gamer loyalty more. I think they've proven that so much with Witcher Three, the value that you get in the game, the value that you get in the expansion pass, and of course all the free free DLC. Plus all the work that they've put into their patches, man. Like, nobody puts that much work into patches. When was the last time you heard a AAA developer, a year after their game came out, completely revamp the UI for their game in a, in a massive RPG? Like, that's unheard of. So, I think, yeah, they really deserve it. Even the small things, like all the extra stuff they jammed into the, the game case if you bought it physical. Yeah, all Gosh, the free yeah, DLC. Dude. All the, the 16 yes. or 12 pieces of free DLC. Like, they... And the reason they did this, I think, is because CD Projekt Red wasn't a household name, and they're like, we're proud of this game. Witcher 3 is a hell of a game. We're going to make people know who we are. We're going to be an industry leader, and they earned that, you know? They're like the perfect girl. They're like the girl that is, like, gorgeous and has an amazing personality and is, like, such a great girlfriend and whatever, and you're like, how are you even real? Yeah. How How do you even exist? Aren't you, like, a paradox or something? Well, it's because that girl existed in your school, but you never noticed her, and then, you know, one day you actually had a conversation with her, i.e. Witcher 3, and then you're like, yeah, oh, well, yeah, now I realize, yeah. One day she released one of the best RPGs of all time, and you're like, hey, you're pretty fucking hot. So, um, the, the second part of this, I don't know if this is the second part on your list, but I want to talk about this because I think this is a huge part of the loyalty. Um, console loyalty or platform loyalty? Yes. For me... It's a tough road. So I'm I love Xbox and I'm happy with my Xbox One and I'm I never I never take back my idea of getting an Xbox One. I'm not mad that I didn't get a PS4. Uh, I'm I'm a, I'm a little frustrated. I don't currently own a PS4 because I would like to own both, but I'm I never am against my choice that I made. The, that being said, though, if when that choice came down and my friends would have went to PS4, I would have gone to PS4 too. I don't really necessarily align myself with a cons like. A console per se, um, I do enjoy the achievements and everything, but I am where the best experience is. So for me, all my friends bought Xbox One, so I bought an Xbox One. But if you guys have remembered, I owned a PlayStation, I owned a PS2, I never owned an original Xbox, you know? So you're bridging less into loyalty to consoles and more into loyalty to fellow gamers. Yes. Um, like your your buddy gamers, I, I not just like, oh, this random dude on PSN, I'm loyal to him. Yeah, and as I get older, obviously that stuff tends to change because there's less people who are able to be on as often and stuff like that. But still, like, it's, it's you know, where I know I'm going to have the best experience moving forward. Um, exclusive is definitely our thing I think about, but it's never, like, a primary factor in what console I buy. Um, if I could have it my way, personally, I would have one unified console where Microsoft and Sony and Nintendo all publish that platform. I would love that the most, you know? Um, but yeah, I don't consider myself loyal to one or the other. I do argue a lot for Xbox, um, but I don't consider myself an Xbox fanboy by any means or a place uh, like anti PlayStation. So, so I'll jump in because I'm a little bit different. I'm pretty much a console brand slut, I guess would be the right way to put it. Right? Started out N64, jumped over to PS2, you know, <laughs> then from there jumped over to 360, and now I'm back to PS4. <laughs> Yeah, Dom's like a doorknob. Everybody gets a turn. <laughs> exactly. I've been all over the place. I have absolutely no loyalty to uh, a console brand. So for me, it's just 
PS4 was the better choice objectively at the time, and I had just gone through, you know, four Red Ring 360s, and like, nope, get, get the hell out of here with these. <laughs> yeah, that, plus yeah. the terrible launch announcement by uh, Don Matrick. That was the bigger piece of it for me too. But but even looking at that, looking back at that though, I I kind of have like some disloyalty or whatever the reverse of that you'd call with Microsoft because of even though like each of those Red Rings were replaced for free, it was like three weeks by the time I shipped it out. Yeah. Or rather, they shipped me the box. I shipped it back. They shipped it to them, and then they shipped me a fixed one. It was a headache that you wouldn't have had with PS3. There were literally months that three months total probably where I didn't have the console that you know what i'm saying and not first world problems of course but you know it's just and even though i you know statistically like the xbox ones are you know, way more reliable it's just i'm still always gonna have that in my in the back of my head like oh yeah this was crappy you know what i'm saying yeah i think you know for me i i wouldn't consider myself a console slut by any means but I would say I am uh, platform agnostic, as some gamers like to say. How, I how about this? Ahead. So I'm like the doorknob, or like you know the <laughs> the slutty girl in high school who just gets around and it's dirty. You're more like a world traveler. Yes, I don't yes. different countries. Yeah. I'm yeah. very much cosmopolitan when it exactly. comes to my consoles. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So um, really, I've been a PlayStation guy since I got my PS2, um, and that was actually. Um, I think I mentioned this before. I like, by the end of a console generation, I like to have all the consoles in that generation. Maybe I don't start off with all three consoles. Yeah, you know, same. But I'm I'd exactly like, to, like you with that, yeah. I'd like to get to them at some point. Um, and then sometimes, you know, that's great because at the you buy like an Xbox 360 at the end of the generation and you got all these fucking awesome games to play through. But That's when the value is the um, best. Exactly. Very true. Um, so, yeah, I got, you know, during the PlayStation 2 generation, the PS2 was the last of the three consoles that I got. But it was also, I think, the most expensive, if not very close to the original Xbox. And um, once I had, once I got that PS2, I was pretty much locked in. I never had a PS1. I had a really close friend, neighbor, that I went to their house a bunch and played PS1. Um, but yeah, man, once, once PS2 came around... Um, I started, my first console was an NES that my dad handed down to me. Then my first one that I owned, uh, brand new, was an N64. So I was kind of Nintendo before that. And then we got a GameCube and then an Xbox and then a PS2. But like I said, once I got to PS2, I was like, yeah, dude, um, this is where it's at for me. And so we had an Xbox 360 originally for the family just because PS3s were so goddamn expensive. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but then once they came down to 300, I bought myself a PS3 so that I could take to college and have that as my main console. And since then, I've been working on trophies. I've got like 1,300 trophies at this point, and PlayStation is my system. I am like a PlayStation dude, and yeah, my first console next generation, if that's a thing, is going to be the PlayStation just because they've done so well with PS4. And even though they screwed a lot of stuff with PS3 up, I still think that's one of the greatest consoles of all time, if not the greatest uh, console of all time. That being said, your game of the year is Quantum Break. So, like, that just shows that you, yeah, yeah. Biggest issue I have with PS4 is the, you know, practically abysmal first-party lineup and exclusive lineup. Um, So far. But, yeah, I would say so far, yeah, but we're, you know, three years into the console generation. Yeah. So yeah, as far as loyalty to consoles, I would say 
at this point in my life, moving forward, yeah, I'm I'm going with PlayStation just because they've proven themselves to Don't me. Don't you think so? Earlier we were talking about um, blind loyalty. I think blind loyalty isn't really a huge thing with developers. I think it's a huge thing with consoles. Yeah. I think blind loyalty runs so rampant in the console market. I see so I'm fine with somebody saying PlayStation is better than Xbox and having an argument or have, arguments about it, having a discussion about it and pointing out things. That's completely fine. But you run into so many people, and it's not just PlayStation, Xbox guys do it the same thing. They're just like, you know, discount anything you say, that's their console. Or, that you know, Microsoft does nothing wrong, Sony does nothing yeah. wrong. and that's Console what, wars. Yeah, it's so dumb. If you were smart, you'd want both things to succeed because, you know, a rising tide raises all ships. So And then, and then there's people like Colin and Greg who... They're very aware of shortcomings, you know, with their preferred platform. Like, they talk about all the time how how shitty it was during the PS3 era, how there were outages and this and that. They always complain about it. And they're like, yeah, well, we stuck through it. But they were at least, they were still objective, you know, to those issues and acknowledge sure. them. But they were still loyal enough to keep with that that ecosystem, which is much better. Um, and then also the other thing I wanted to point out is that we're going to see a lot more um, platform loyalty as – We'll buy more and more digital games because that's something especially going forward Ooh. as especially going forward where everything's going to be backwards compatible probably yeah. forever that's going to be a huge selling point like well yeah i have i have a ps4 and i kind of want the new xbox but i already have 30 digital games on ps4 that won't carry over to the xbox right i mean if you could always of course keep your old console too but a lot of people trade them back in or whatever it is but it's like people who don't want to switch from iPhone to Android because they've already bought a bunch of apps. Yeah, the legacy program there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think so, that's a that's a huge part. The new like, thing. Yeah, like uh, PS3, all the PS Plus games you get, all the digital games you buy. Then I move over to PS4 and I start buying more digital games. Like, yeah, at this point I am kind of locked in. I mean, I buy games digitally on Xbox, and so when I get an Xbox big boy or whatever then i can you know continue that legacy as well but yeah i think that's a very good point dom is digital games are um going to start kind of locking people into their systems more from generation to generation and the online services will too if you have a huge gamer score and a bunch of friends and you know or or a bunch of trophies a bunch of platinums you're not going to want to start playing games on a different platform where you can't get a trophy you know what i'm saying yeah yeah i think the closing thought here personally the way i feel is like your loyalty should be earned not given you know yeah and that's why you know i talk about like cd project or super giant games yacht club's got my vote uh drink has got my vote yeah the list could go on and on and on most of the sony first party studios have proven themselves with their track record to where yeah like uh when we were talking about uncharted 4 a little ways back jared you were saying you know if i'm really not into it why did i buy it and it's because i do have a certain amount of loyalty to naughty dog because they're part of the reason that i got into video games in the first place so sure i'm not in love with what they've been doing since they left the jack series but there is a certain amount of loyalty there where i'm like you know what you guys still got my heart so i like this topic that was good Thank you. Lastly, we're going to be jumping into, we were talking about PlayStation a little bit. Uh, Dom, what's your topic for us? So I think it was two weeks ago now um, on PS I Love You, which of course I listen to every week. Colin Moriarty says, <laughs> Colin Moriarty gives a quick, you know, quick bit on 
Yeah, I bet Sony really regrets buying Gaikai or Gaikai or however you say it and doing the whole PS Now thing. That was a huge mistake. That that never worked out. And I couldn't disagree more with it. So I want to see what you guys think because PS Now, right? It's not. It's I'll I'll say it straight up kind of sucks. Um, not enough people have internet good enough to truly take advantage of it. It's kind of overpriced, and it's only PS3 games and. I don't know if there's PS2 games or anything older. No, on there. it's still it's still just PS3. They they originally talked about doing the entire library, but right. So right now it's not good. Yeah, it obviously hasn't paid off right now. So sure, I think for the the billions of dollars that they spent on that ex- exactly. Company. And I don't think when they bought it that this was their only plan. I just don't think that they oh we're gonna use it as a an alternative for backwards compatibility and only old games will be on. I don't think that's what they're going. You know, I don't think that was their original intent as the end goal. I think there's still more coming in the vein of basically a Netflix-esque service where you don't need a console. You just need the controller and, you know, a smart TV or they could even put an app on Roku's and whatever it might be. Right, exactly. Something inexpensive. Um, And then basically you you just, you can still rent games individually, how it is on PS Now right now, where, you know, for seven days you can rent something for three bucks or whatever it is. Or you can, you know, subscribe to different tiers of a service. The number I threw out when we were talking about it the other day was, you know, maybe it's a hundred dollars a month, but you get access to a every single right. No, you said you know, a month. A month. Bad, so, bad, bad. but just do the. It sounds crazy. It sounds expensive. But when you do the math, it might not be. It might be a bargain. So, say a hundred dollars a month got you access, full access to every game that came out, like every brand new game. You just got it. Like you get everything that's on the platform. But you just can I don't, play it. I don't think that's. like a logistical way to do it i think if anything they would do like 20 bucks a month and you can be you can have a game like downloaded or streamed at a time yeah so that's that's what the next piece was there would be there would definitely be tiers like that would be the top tier right where you're just you know you have tons of time and you love to play everything like you're gonna buy that but then there would you know be maybe be two tiers under that of fifty dollars a month where you get you know one brand new game or something and you know couple smaller ones or then even a lower tier and then of course still there's like the individual rentals you could do if you're really budget conscious i just think i mean streaming has taken over everywhere else um granted the legacy platform still exists people still buy cds they still exist and people still buy blu-rays you know we're not streaming everything but it's huge now we stream all our like the majority of people stream music off apple music or spotify and majority of people nowadays at least millennials use netflix or amazon prime amazon prime video and and those sorts of things so i don't i don't see a reason once the technical limitations are surpassed that gaming can't follow the same suit because it could be just a, a different value proposition where you're not buying that 400 dollar box anymore but you're just subscribing to a service and i think that's where they're eventually going with it long ways off before anything like that would ever be realized i mean I think, you know, 15 years maybe before what I just I just described could ever, you know, be solidified and successful. But I don't I th- think it's that long. I'd say th- five years. I, yeah, I was thinking 10 to 15, somewhere in that range, just because, like, me, for example. Speeds, man. Yeah, I get crap. But it's internet. not as bad as you think. I have a solid internet speed. I actually have a pretty great internet speed um, with Comcast, but, um, like, I've never had – I really only did, like, the free trials. I never actually subscribed, but – 
Um, I never had any issues uh, streaming, and I I played through all of God of War Ascension, beat that whole game, and it was See, straight. I tried I tried the free trial, and I tried to play Bioshock Infinite, and it, I couldn't even. It was like two frames. Wow. A so, and I have the best internet I can get in my area, like the best. And I mean, it's like forty bucks a month, and I'm like, can I pay for more? And I'm like, no, that's it. So. <laughs> I have quite a bit to say on this topic. So for me, the way I look at PlayStation Now is PlayStation Now to me is Microsoft's launch launch conference for Xbox One where they announced all these features, which me personally, I understood and I was okay with because I understood what they were going for. But to the public market, it was something that could have came five to ten years from now, right? They want to do all of this stuff that people just weren't ready for. And I think that's what PlayStation Now is. I think... It's something, like you said, that could be 10 years off, 15 years off. That's a great idea for the future. The worst part here is Microsoft and PlayStation took two branches. PlayStation took the PlayStation Now route. Microsoft took the backwards compatibility route. And gamers told you who won that, right? People love the backwards compatibility. That was a forced thing. I'm sure PlayStation would have done backwards compatibility if they could, but it was. I'm sure that there were some technical there's limitations. Always, yeah, there's always technical limitations. That's always Sony's excuse. There's always a technical limitation to something or another. You know, there's always it's an issue. Because they don't have enough forethought. They don't. Yeah, they don't Microsoft had technical limitations with backwards compatibility, and they got it to work. Like, but the the PS3 was just so different, like architecture wise and everything, that the the investment to get it to work probably was much greater than it was for Microsoft. Yeah, but, but that, people don't want to hear same, excuses. People, it was the right, same with PS2. It's really tough to... That's why you had to have the hardware in the original PS3s to emulate PS2 games. Because, like, the PS3 couldn't just emulate a PS2 game because it was too tough. And now, a PS4 can't just emulate a PS3 game because it's too tough because of the chips and the engines that they were running off of. And so, yeah, they they should have been looking towards the future yeah, and saying... They screwed up. Oh, Back like backwards compatibility's been a thing since you know SNES and you know um, like the Sega had it and back then and all that like it's always been a thing even since the '90s and I just feel like it's dumb that that they would just act like that they can just get away with doing this whole streaming thing and really kind of half-ass it they need to have. I mean, they don't even have, like, all the first-party shit on PS now. What the fuck yeah. is up with well, that? The no, biggest... Jared, Jared, you're definitely right. Right now it's a mess. It's a blunder, and it looks like they yeah. screwed up. But I think that there's still more coming. The worst part is, like, right now, overall, PlayStation's winning the war, but they keep losing all of these little battles, and, like, little battles add up. Like, going forward, yep. going forward, we see how much of a tiny increment the PS Neo is, right? The PS4 yeah. Neo. And the, the, what I said last week, I still believe, is, like, why aren't they... By them not saying this is a competitor to the S, it's muddying the message. If, so, for instance, if we already knew this was a direct competitor to the S, and obviously they wouldn't directly say that, but you know they could get a, get away with saying something close to that. If they were to say that this is a direct competitor to the S, then people already have in their back that, okay, well, Scorpio's Microsoft's thing. Let's wait to see what Sony's thing is. And though we know that they're probably working on something that's going to be more powerful than, than the Scorpio... The common audience doesn't know that. The common audience knows, oh, there's a new PlayStation thing that I saw that's rumored that I heard on a podcast. Is that is that supposed to be like, is it going to try to compete with the, the one coming out next year? Or is it, is it going to come out with Xbox One? It's very confusing to the average audience, you know? And yeah. I think PlayStation is like, they're screwing the pooch. You can tell they haven't had a lead since PS2 because they don't know what to do with it. Exactly. And, you know, I talked before on this show about how, why the hell hasn't Sony put the nail in the coffin with Xbox. They could have done it so many times this generation, and they just keep letting Xbox sneak up on them and get closer and closer and have these, like you said, win the little battles with backwards compatibility and and 
you know, the way that they're handling Xbox Live over PSN. It's like Sony, I think a lot of people are talking about, oh, Sony's just killing it this generation. They're just, you know, on fire, you know. I'm like, yeah, but I think a lot of this has to do with luck. I think that they wouldn't be in nearly as good a position if Xbox hadn't shot themselves in the yeah, foot. Yeah, Xbox lost this at launch. PlayStation didn't win it in my eyes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, PlayStation's like, okay, we're good, we're going to be here. The guy walks in, he's like, they're getting ready for the race, and you know, Microsoft just pulls out a gun and shoots themselves in the foot. And Sony's like, uh... And they just start jogging. I guess like, I'll just uh, walk, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, okay. Um, but with PlayStation now, I really think they should put this on the back burner, and they should focus on figuring out how to make backwards compatibility work like i don't think it's gonna happen i understand that there's quote-unquote technical limitations but people hate it seems like for every problem that people have with playstation playstation's like oh we can't do it it's technically impossible and people are like well they said it's technically impossible and if microsoft does it they're they find a solution or maybe they don't find a solution like oh well that's why microsoft's losing because they can't find a solution to any of their problems it's It's just a business decision though like it's just not worth I mean, that's obviously not what the consumer wants to hear, but I totally get why that's the case. Same thing with why we, why we can't change our, our PSN names. I'm sh- they can do it. It might, it might just be a huge financial hurdle that wouldn't be worth the money. I'm sure they've done the, cal- the formulas like 100 times. Of If we charge people 10 bucks to change their names, you know, we'll make back the, who knows, it could cost $10 million or something to make this possible i don't know like i don't know dude they could be making bank off of that it shit. just seems like they are way too interested like they they just blessing said something that reigns so true to me and i've been thinking about it for the last week is like after he watched sony's conference his playstation 4 was no different he didn't expect anything different to happen to his ps4 after that conference that after hey, the yeah, i agree that was yeah. an awesome point that he yeah made. after the xbox conference you already knew you were getting new controllers you already knew that you were yeah, you already knew you, there was a new Xbox in play. There was a, two Xboxes in play. You already knew that there was new services coming. It's just like so, Sony's like, I don't know. It just, You'll get some games in two or three years. Here's Death Stranding for 2020. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree. And like PlayStation Now just seems like another half-assed thing. Like it just seems like you really think if they – this goes back to us thinking that maybe Microsoft lost this and Sony didn't win this generation – you go back and think, if Sony really wanted to win this generation, they would have realized the problems they had with the PS3, and they would have made sure to fix those in the PS4. And though they did fix some of them, they would have fixed a lot of them if they really were in the in, in the in the place of trying to win. If you look at it, yeah, PS4 was slightly more powerful, but they didn't seem to do anything that made it be that made it be the console to own. You know, besides it being a little bit more powerful and Microsoft shooting themselves in the foot, they didn't. They, yeah, they definitely didn't just you know go leaps and bounds ahead of of Xbox. Yeah. So that's that's the other thing, and we get too focused on our heads get wrapped around too much of this idea of it's a race and that someone's winning. When yeah, they they might be competing, but it doesn't really matter to them as business people who wins as long as you're financially solvent yourself and you're doing well yourself, like. Well, so we keep on, we've brought it up before about, yeah, Sony sold twice as many PS4s as Xbox Ones, but Microsoft's still selling Xbox Ones faster than they sold Xbox 360s. So they're, they're doing great. Yeah, but if you don't think they sit in the business room and are, are figuring out how to catch up to Sony, then you're wrong. That is the case. Well, no, actually, I know. I mean, it's like a Six Sigma principle, which is like a business methodology. You don't want to compete with your with other competitors. Like you want to be the best you can be and do the best you can do. That might mean, you know, trying to be better than them in certain areas, but you're not, you don't ever want to compare yourself to other companies. And that's, we especially get wrapped up in it with Nintendo. 
when they're out there so far, like they're not even trying to compete with the other, they're doing their own thing. We talked about how Sony didn't even win this generation. You know, they got it one for them. They didn't even have to. And think about the fact that like last generation, it was three consoles competing. This generation, it's only Xbox and and PlayStation. Like Wii U isn't even a thing that is competing against them. And that's the strategic so not only direction did, they wanted to go. Not only did Xbox shoot themselves in the foot and let Sony win the race, there wasn't even the third competitor competitor that there usually would be. But um, and I understand that you're saying that they don't try to compete with each other. But going back to our last comment about loyalty, you have no loyalty necessarily to PlayStation. You look for what what you know console is going to be better for you personally so they are trying to get you know when the new xbox comes out get you to buy an xbox maybe not not play your ps4 or not buy a ps4 but they definitely want you to buy an xbox you know so like i think it's it's not intended to compete but they do by proxy compete with one another it's just how it goes you know um before the show jared and i were talking about kickstarters and we were talking about how there's all these examples of kickstarters where um, you know, they ask for this certain amount of money, they get way more than that amount of money, and then they still can't even deliver in the time period that they said they would, or, you know, the game is not even close to what they said it would be. And what we were talking about is how, you know, we as the consumer gave you the money that you asked for. We gave you maybe even more than you asked for, and you told us that it would be ready in this time and that this is the amount of money that you needed. So it's not our fault that you screwed that up and that you can't, you know, figure your shit out. And it's the same thing with Sony, like, um, you know, the the whole like PSN name or like backwards compatibility. It's not our fucking job to figure out backwards compatibility for PS4. It's not our job to figure out how the engineers should be able to change our names on PSN. Like that's your job, Sony, and I don't care if it costs you however many millions of dollars. Like. We buy a shit ton of games. We buy your consoles. That's where the loyalty comes in. There should be, you know, just like we were talking about gamer loyalty, there should be loyalty from coming from the first parties to us. There should be loyalty coming from the publishers and devs to us. They should say, hey, look, these people bought our fucking PlayStation. We're, you know, selling these things like hotcakes. Maybe we could just get off our tails, maybe lose a little bit of money and, and please them with this uh you know backwards compatibility or psn name change that's what microsoft did with their backwards compatibility they said look you guys maybe they're not winning the console generation but look you guys came out and bought our consoles bought our games now it's our turn to now it's you know time for us to return the favor so this, the the numbers just drive everything though i mean even without adding you know extra as many extra features and doing as some of the extra things that Xbox is doing, PlayStation's still selling like crazy. You know and that's I mean? like, the problem. Go with your wallet. Yeah. If that's yeah. how you really feel. You know? And going to this though, the interesting thing is maybe they couldn't, like you said, it's all a money issue. Maybe they couldn't afford to go through with backwards compatibility or the name change or whatever because they ate so much money with PlayStation now. The whole subject of this discussion, this topic, like nah, it's Sony's got Sony. The company is bi- in billions in, of dollars. In general, has plenty of money. Yeah, billions of dollars for a company like yeah, this but, is no, like but, nothing. But no, I'm not saying I'm not saying that they off. can't afford it. But going back to the point you you literally just made of saying, you know, people bought the console, and we didn't even change anything. When they're looking at, they bought Gaikai, and that's not really working out. They're like, well, we could we we put we spent money on this, and maybe it's not working, but. You know, we don't even need to put money into anything else because people are buying the console anyways. You know, right. it's like, yeah, but that's what I'm saying is people are buying the console. You should hook them up a little bit. Like, 
it's it goes back to the whole CD Projekt Red thing. Like the reason that they have so much clout with gamers at this point is because they gave you more than they needed to. And you know, talking about Sony at E3 with like the lack of any updates to PSN whatsoever, and Xbox is adding all this awesome stuff to Xbox Live. They don't. Microsoft doesn't have to do that. They're not going to make extra money off of the awesome shit that they just added to Xbox Live. But they're doing it because they know that these gamers are paying them their hard-earned cash for their consoles and games. And they are loyal to Xbox, especially if Xbox is saying, Look, man, we're going to give you some more free features because we want to keep you guys around. Sony doesn't realize how good they have it, and they need to make sure that they start treating their customers better. Well, well it's because they start with the selling less, they will. Yeah, with the next console, people might vote with their wallets and not buy a PlayStation. That's the issue is like... The reason, you know, Xbox did this is because they want to sell more more consoles, right? So, like, if we make something backwards compatibility, people start buying more Xbox Ones. PlayStation's looking at it, and they're a business, and they're like, well, we don't need to make those. People are saying they want those changes, but it's not stopping them from buying our console hand over fist. They don't care about good graces. They just care about selling, and they're selling without changing anything, you know? But they should care about good graces because it would help them out a lot. They're just... It seems to me like Sony, especially the PlayStation division, is just convinced that they're about to outsell ps2 and i think they have a long ways to go before that ever happens because ps2 had such a long tail and and the way that they're handling ps4 it's not going to be selling you know eight years after it released like ps2 was so i think if they really want that ps2 like you know experience that they had they're going to have to do more for gamers to get on their better side because microsoft is winning that battle whether they're losing the console generation or not like you know the fact that people talk so much shit about the ps plus games that come out and most people are more more happy with games with gold i think yeah for the most part they're, they're like you said playstation's okay with losing all these battles and part of the battles that they're losing are ones with gamers and um how they're treating gamers and how gamers you know feel about that relationship with sony and i just think that you know, backwards compatibility, the added features to Xbox Live, the awesome customizable controllers, the new consoles that Xbox is bringing out. They're essentially buttering our balls and they're making us happy. They're giving us what we want. And Sony is like, nah, dude, we don't really give a fuck. We're selling enough consoles. We don't have to update PSN. But Sony, it's like, come on. Sony still knows how to sell consoles, though, because look what they did for the conference. They didn't care about indies. They didn't care about, uh, you know, multiple different genres of showing. They showed all of these exclusive games that are still two and a half years away at the earliest, in my opinion. And all these people raved after their conference, Sony's winning, Sony this, Sony headlines, Sony headlines. So Sony's like, we killed it, you know? I don't know. I think that was more of a just initial reaction. And I think more people are starting to feel like how Blessing was last week on the show where he's kind of like, I don't know, man. What did they really give me right now? Like, what am I excited for right now with PlayStation? I think they keep acting this way like they don't have anything to lose and they're going to lose at some point. Even if they don't end up you know in second place as far as consoles sold this generation like you said they're losing these battles and eventually gamers are going to come around and say you know what sony's not doing us nearly as good as xbox is so to close out this topic did you have anything else to say Dom? yeah i guess the last thing would be that this isn't like ricky bobby would say if you're not first you're last it's not even it's not even if you're not first you're second because it's not even the case here because what there is no second place 
they don't like these the console war and these little battles we talk about like these are all abstractions like they're not real sony doesn't see that they don't care you know what i mean they see the numbers and that and that's what drives everything so yeah yeah like sony probably didn't i mean technically sony won last generation because the playstation 3 sold more globally than xbox 360 yeah but, but what does that mean but even though most people think that they you know that xbox won last generation Sony doesn't give a fuck because they sold the consoles that they exactly. wanted to sell. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, closing out on this topic, just really quick, for the next PlayStation iteration, whatever that is, if it's the PlayStation Five or whatever it is, do you guys think that PlayStation Now will be a launch feature? Like they'll show, like when they unveil the console, they'll say PlayStation Now, yada yada yada. Do you think that'll be the case? I don't know, man. That's what I'm saying is like they've got to start getting on gamers' good side, and I think, like Dom said. Going forward in this digital age, if things aren't backwards compatible, backwards compatible, it's going to be there's going to be issues because, like they built this PlayStation Four with the architecture of essentially a, a low end PC, so that it would be easy to develop for, and that should mean, in my opinion, that it's going to be easy to transfer over to the next console. So I don't think they should screw that up, or that would be a big mistake. So here, there, it'll be one of two things. They'll either completely scrap, uh, you know, PS Now, right, and just not fall for the uh, the sunk cost fallacy that oh we spent so much on it so we got to get something like they might just completely ditch it, sell it off, or do whatever. Especially with the sales and, of the PS4, that helps them do that. So. Right, and concurrently with that, they would you know the PS5 would be backwards compatible, but that backwards compatible, but then also the PS5 is now finally powerful enough to emulate PS3 games. Yeah, they can have backwards compatibility. That so then you know what I'm saying. You're going to have that, one or the other. You won't have both. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I think, personally, I think the PlayStation Now is going to last guardian it. I think it's going to disappear and rock out of here for, for a while. And then randomly we're going to be like, PlayStation Now, if it ever happens. It's going to erupt. Yeah. It's be like a volcano. Um, really quick before we head out, uh, what we're going to be playing. Um, I'm going to be uh, playing a little bit more Shadow Complex. Um, and then I don't know what else. I'll just, I'm going to browse through all of my games. I have plenty of games that I haven't finished that are on my backlog, but I don't want to commit to something yet. Um I'll just scroll around and see what I decide to play, figure something out. But a Shadow Complex is a definite one that I'm going to probably be playing this week. So, You guys? Persona 3 Crunch Time is a go. So, uh, yeah, get pumped, people, because we're about to see what's going down on episode 20, whether or not I can beat this game. Um, besides that, I'll probably be finishing up uh, Walking Dead Season 1, maybe even move on to Season 2. Um but yeah, it's mostly going to be Persona this week. <laughs> awesome. Dom, what about you? Uh, so I'm going to keep on playing this Dragon's Dogma business. Um, I want to hear about more about that. I can't wait yeah. to see what you think. Yeah, I'll come back with a report. Don't worry. Uh, and then I might grab Inside. You oh, and are... you need yeah, to play Yeah, I'm going to be playing it. that too, to play for it. sure. Uh, yeah, Assassin's yeah. Creed also in the mail, didn't you say? So you might. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah I bought Syndicate. It. Yeah. So I might. Uh... Man, wow, i got tough choices now. <laughs> I'll let you know next time what I ended up playing, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, thank you guys for listening. As always, make sure to uh, you know, uh, leave us a review and like us on iTunes. That really helps. Follow us on Twitter. That helps as well. Uh, we actually had a winner this week uh, for the Blu-ray, so I think uh, Dom handled that. So. Oh, yeah, we can tell you who it was. Um, in the <laughs> meantime, uh, thank you for the couple of subscribers who recently got on our YouTube. Really appreciate it. Um, if you can, share us. Like we said, it helps us grow. Um, yeah, thank you guys for listening on a weekly basis. We really appreciate it. Um, 
I have got my uh, Witcher 3 review going up on the next yep next few days on the site. Yeah, look for that on the site and then the video form uh, shortly thereafter on the YouTube channel. So yes, also return of uh, of indie hype. I got a couple episodes edited, so you should be seeing one this coming week. So hype. And the winner of the raffle is John Mitchell. Ooh, John Mitchell at Mitch Johns five seven three. So whoop, whoop. John, if you're listening, I'm gonna ship that shit out to you tomorrow <laughs> yeah so congratulations a bag of shit in the mail uh the blu-ray plus digital copy of uh force awakens um yeah thank you guys for listening as always we'll catch you guys in episode 20 where we find out whether or not jordan finishes persona 3 tune in next week on another the exciting mystery. episode of controlled gamecast any closing words guys that's those aren't words that's not, those aren't words <laughs> that's not a word dom but yeah man hey uh it's a great week for gaming. I am so excited to play games, and games are awesome. That's my final, final word. <laughs> All righty, guys. Catch you guys next time. Bye.